we are live, or at least live in the car, and uh, this is the Rideshare Podcast after a long absence. I'm here in Chicago in the Lakeview neighborhood with my longtime friend, Karen Black, who is visiting from South Carolina. Uh, I'll let her tell you in a second all the cool things she's doing here. Uh, But Karen is also a uh, an Uber and Lyft driver in South Carolina, uh, but you're on hiatus. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm in. I, and by the way, hello everyone, and thanks, Mark, for having me on here. Um, this is a true pleasure, and it's fun to be back in Chicago. Yes, I would say I have been on hiatus since April of 2017 when I started a new full-time job. The whole time thinking I'd be able to fit in doing a little bit of driving here and there, but you know how life gets in the way. Exactly. And what, uh, you are here to see a friend's play, and feel free to give a a plug to this play. Sure, the play is called Bliss, or Emily Post is Dead. Uh, I I hate to say that I can't think of the name of the theater. (laughs) Promethean or something like that? Promethean, yes, Promethean Theater Company. Um, And tonight is the premiere. July 28th, but uh, my friends uh, in life come from Boston and Chicago and Los Angeles and and all these different big cities where I've lived, and I now live in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, moved back there for family reasons, um, but I do like to get away sometimes, and I like to support my friends in their creative endeavors, so my friends play, She's the Playwright, is premiering tonight um, here at the theater, and I like to support your creative endeavor, too, of this podcast, which also aligns with me having this experience as a rideshare driver, which had its ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that we're going to get a a part two later, so you'll have to give a quick um, review of your friend's play after you see it, and Absolutely. Hang out with her. Uh, so, for those of you listening, um, it's kind of mid-afternoon right now. After uh, I finish this, I'm going to drop off Karen, and then I have to go drive because tonight is Kenny Chesney Woo! in Chicago <laughs> uh, at Soldier Field, and because of that, it's kind of a must-work night. Uh, I was telling Karen earlier, well, first trying not to get in a head-on collision with this car. Uh, Country fans, for some reason, are one of the most lucrative uh, pickups for us rideshare drivers because, you know, country fans like to have fun. They like to spend money. They sure do. Whether it's on football or country music. And so, um, oh, we just passed it. No. Yeah. I'm dropping off Karen at a salon. I thought it was over here. But anyway, we're, we're good. Um. So what we drivers like to do is, is some of uh, the veteran drivers, um, I'm sure this happens in every city, will sit at a concert, we will not go online, and then we wait until the surge gets like crazy high, and then we'll turn on the apps and then try and get like a three, four times normal fare, and then we also set our destination filters to like Arlington Heights or Milwaukee or Naperville, and we wait because sometimes you'll get a ride that'll say it's more than 45 minutes away. And that's a trigger that's a long ride. It's a long ride plus three times fare. I mean, you know, you can get a $100, $75 
fare on one ride. That is not a bad <laughs> hourly rate yes. when you think about it that way and when you do that math. Well, Mark, when I was doing ride sharing, which I did from about December 2016 to April 2017, so a little bit over four months, I never got I never got smart enough to do stuff like that. But I started, I think towards the end, I started getting a little bit more strategic. Mm-hmm. But you're right that drivers with any of these industries in this new sort of share economy that we have. Uh, like, by the way, everybody listening, uh, I'm also an Airbnb super host. That's another story for another day. In any in any of these industries of the new economy, um, as the industry matures, both the people working in that industry and the people utilizing that service become wiser and things become more mature. And so that sounds like a good strategy. If I go, yeah. if after I get off my ride share hiatus, I will use that strategy. Thanks, Mark. Right. So anyway, so I have to go work that tonight, but hopefully I will see you after that in whatever. You guys, I'm getting bumped by Kenny Chesney (laughs) and I feel really sad and I want to cry. Well, but I don't have a, I don't have a country song to sing about it. (laughs) Kenny Chesney is helping me pay for all of the meals that um, I'm having with you this weekend because, you know, I've... (laughs) Um, all my rideshare funds are go to help pay the bills. All right. Well, then, so thanks, Kenny. <laughs> this is a splurge. Um, so we already talked about this previously, but one of the reasons I wanted to, to talk to you was you had some interesting stories of, well, A, you are in a, driving a smaller market, you're driving in the south, um, and you're a woman driver. So uh, two of the stories you shared with me, I mean, well... What's it like picking up other women late at night, perhaps, who might be drunk? Mm-hmm. And then also maybe some of the particular abuse you might get from passengers because you're a woman driver. So, you know. Sure. Well, and let's, let's just, you know, for people who don't know Charleston, South Carolina versus the Chicago market. I mean, yeah, Chicago's a giant tourist city as well, but... Charleston, South Carolina's primary industry is tourism. So, although you do get a lot of local passengers, I would say 90% of my passengers while I was doing this were tourists. But the misbehaving people that I have had... And, all, and, the, and the couple of stories I've shared with you, Mark, that have been kind of ugly, bad stories, um, they were all with locals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being a female driver, it was interesting. I met other female drivers because, you know, you meet other drivers when you're in the waiting area at the airport. And I have a few female friends of different ages and different ethnicities that I know just via Facebook that they drive part-time. Um, and, and a lot of them just, they loved it. They haven't had bad experiences. But they have shared with me that, you know, they just, they'll just stop at 8 or 9 p.m., you know. Uh, when I was doing it, it was really trying to make ends meet, um... I was laid off from a job where they had a reduction in force, 
and uh, I call it my gap year. You know how kids nowadays are taking a gap year between high school and yeah, college. Right. I had sort of a career gap year, although it was a gap nine months. But um, I traveled. I helped a friend make a movie. I, I have, for, for our listeners here, I have entertainment industry experience. And so I helped a friend make a short film and... I did all these fun things, and then all of a sudden, one day, I checked my bank account, and I realized that I had no money. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when Uber and Lyft started looking really, really good. Yeah. Um, but I drive a little yellow Toyota Prius Sing. Um, people say it either looks like a taxi cab color or a school bus. They really, I have to say that they really like that. Mm. Um, so I made sometimes what other people would consider the riskier choice to be a female driver who was decided to drive late at night. Um, the money was better then. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes in Charleston, because it's a small airport, there are only certain times of day when flights are coming in and going out. So sometimes you find yourself driving late at night as a, fe- as a single female and you think, oh, well, what's the harm? It's an airport passenger. And so I made the conscious choice to do some late night driving that I, you know, ended up regretting. Mm. Which thing do you want me to tell you about? Yeah, I mean, you could embellish on that in a moment, but um, I know that there are women drivers here who I've heard say they would rather focus on airport passengers because generally the airport passenger is not (laughs) wasted out of their mind. You know, it's more, it could be a business traveler or a family or something as opposed to going, you know, to a neighborhood like we're sitting in right now at bar close at 2 a.m., they'd rather do the airport. And also, it, the airport ride is more lucrative. Because here, it's, you're basically taking the drunk person back to their house. Absolutely. And so I will say this. I think this is a difference between a large market city like Chicago and a small market. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would be sitting in the airport lot waiting to get a ride, and Lyft or Uber would assign me a ride in a nearby suburb. Oh, okay. So outside of the airport. Instead of at the airport. Yeah. Um, because it was low on drivers in those other places, and it had a lot of drivers sitting there at the airport. Yeah. And you kind of have to make the executive decision of whether you're going to accept it or not. I think your listeners probably know the more that you reject rides like I think it affects your rating as a driver and um, it, it supposedly at least at the time I was doing it I got the impression that it affected my favorability as a driver mm-hmm. um, so you know you ex- you accept things sometimes that maybe under another circumstance you would say no I'm not accepting right. that so then you do end up going and picking up the drunk person at 1 a.m even right. though you're waiting for the airport ride. Yeah. So in, in a smaller market, they assign you rides like that. That's definitely a topic I'll cover in a different episode. But um, just as an aside, at least here in Chicago, but I think this applies nationwide, is, is the companies cannot really penalize you for not accepting a ride. They can try and shame you, or they can say, oh, your acceptance rate is really low. But they can't not like like they can't boot you, or or um, you know deactivate you as a driver simply because you didn't accept, and that gets into the, there's actually been lawsuits 
on for both Lyft and Uber because we're independent contractors. And so as an independent contract, you know, if you're an employee, yes, and the company could say you have to accept these rides. If you're an independent contractor, you could say like, well, I don't feel this ride is profitable for me or desirable, so I'm not going to accept it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, for, for you and for all the listeners there, if you're drivers, you can decline rides. That is good to know. Because keep I, going. <laughs> that is good to know, and I feel like all the drivers listening, and I know this happened to me, they do try to shame you. They send you all these emails about your acceptance rate and this and that. Right. At, and, at the end of my tenure, before my hiatus, as we're as we're calling it, and who mm-hmm. knows, who knows if I'll go back to doing it or not. But I told you yesterday, I keep the Lyft and the and the Uber sticker on right. my car, just in case I feel like having a real fu moment at my company and just like walking out and leaving. Yeah. <laughs> um, Did you prefer one over the other, Uber or Lyft? In Charleston, even though Uber was going through a lot of bad PR, it had much more of a client base. Right. Same here in Chicago. It's Uber's a lot busier. Uh, but what about in terms of the, the passenger demographic or characteristic? Um, in my experience, it was just the same. Okay. Although I only did Lyft um, sparingly. So it's hard to compare. I may have had a total of 50 Lyft passengers and 500 Uber passengers. Okay. But all of the trouble I ran into was with all, always with Uber passengers. However, I don't think there was much of a difference as to who was using Lyft and who was using Uber. Hmm. People in Charleston in general seemed to like whichever one was less expensive. Right. Um, there's a, I think there's a uh, belief that Lyft is better, that it costs a little bit more, but supposedly they treat their riders better and that it's a, it's a, you know, they're branding themselves. By the way, audience, branding and marketing is what I do for work. You know, Lyft is branding themselves as like the cooler, mm-hmm. hipper, right. well, also more socially conscious version, uh, you know, of right. ride sharing. But I don't really think, I don't think there's a lot of a difference. Right. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because also in a more southern conservative market, I wonder if Lyft's positioning of like supporting the ACLU and Planned Parenthood and, you know, turns off maybe some riders. Possibly, but I actually think, like I said, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my people were tourists, but I honestly think most people who are not directly involved in what you and I are doing... Mm -hmm don't pay that much attention to the news and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now swear on your podcast but they don't give that much of a shit. <laughs> okay. Um, no matter who they are and where they're from. Right. They just want the thing that costs the, the least. Right. Yeah. Um, in, in closing and I know we could go on for a lot longer but I just want to sort of cap this length of the, sure. of the episode. I was going to tell you about my drunk girls real quick. Okay. Go ahead. So when you asked me about being a woman driver, you know, there was this one night in particular where I knew, I, first of all, I was tired and it was getting to be 1.45, which all the bars close at 2 in Charleston. And I knew that it was time for me to stop because I was tired and because that is when all the shenanigans really start to happen. But I got a ride that pinged, you know, right as I was about to turn off the app. And it was, the location was right in the middle of the cluster of bars where all the young college students go. And I, you know, 
talk about a red flag and talk about me being dumb, but I went ahead and accepted it because I thought, oh, what's one more ride for the night? Maybe this will up my hourly average for tonight. And um, I ended up getting these two young women. They were so intoxicated that they were standing in front of the bar. I could see them looking at me and I saw them talking to me on their cell phone and I was trying to tell them that I was right in front of their faces yeah. in a bright yellow car. <laughs> but the, but instead, they were trying to get into a black car. Then they tried to get into a red car. I mean, uh, they were that kind of drunk where it was beyond just slurred speech and mm-hmm. things. Um, scantily clad, high, high heels. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how... There were two of them. I don't even know how one of them got into my car. Because the minute she sat down in my car, she completely passed out and black was blacked out, passed out. The other one who was awake, I, I made her take two barf bags and hold them in the back of my car, very much against her will. She really had her pride, even though she was so drunk. She said, I'm not going to puke, I'm not going to puke. But she kept rolling my windows down and she said she just needed air on her face. Well... We all know what that means. (laughs) So I made them hold barf bags and I was talking to her um, on the ride. And I'll mention to everybody, when I told you this story, Mark, you asked me, why didn't I just cancel? I didn't cancel because at that moment, I am a female. I see two females who are by themselves. They're from out of town. They were young. They were underage, but in those bars drinking, I think they were probably both 19. And they were really not in a good place. And as an as another woman, I kind of felt a responsibility beyond what fare I was going to get to get them back to their hotel and to see them safely inside. Um, because there's really a lot of no good that goes on in the neighborhood where I picked them up. And in the neighborhood where I dropped them off to a very sleazy motel that they were just trying to find the cheapest place to stay in Charleston for the weekend. And so I, you know, I waited. I watched them get up to their room. I gave them a mom-style lecture, which is kind of funny because I'm 47, but I'm not a mother. And I've never wanted to be one. But, you know, you just feel that I just felt this sense of responsibility. Um, yeah. They did not puke in my car. I'm happy to say I've never had a puker. Um, but I, I really... This is terrible to say. I usually didn't care that much about my passengers. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't care about humans, but you know. I just average cared about my passengers. Right. But these two young women, I really for some reason cared that they got inside their hotel room and locked their door... Yeah. Um, there were all kinds of skeevy people hanging around their hotel. Yeah. 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 I mean, in in closing, uh, this is not exactly this, but this topic often comes up in the driver forums, and I'm a member of, and I find that women drivers tend to be more empathetic and caring, whereas most of the men drivers were just like, I'm canceling on them, like I don't or. I'm dropping them off, and as soon as they get out of the car, I don't care what happens to them. You know, it's just it's just a business transaction. I mean, um, as a as a passenger, this past winter, I was in Massachusetts. 
I was in Harvard Square, mm-hmm. and there's another unrelated funny story of I was wearing tights, and my tights were falling down, so I was literally accidentally having my... I was literally accidentally dropping trow in the middle yeah. of Harvard Square, and I waited at the pickup point, and the driver got mad at me for not walking to the pool Yeah, for being slow point. to get... Yeah. And he canceled on me right. and screwed me over. Right. And then I was standing in the middle of Harvard Square with my tights around my ankles. Um, yeah. And in well, fact, I did not care whatsoever. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> like I said, uh, 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 let's, we'll do a part two uh, later tonight, hopefully. Sure. In the meantime, uh, we're at your nail place. Woo! And uh, you're going to get your nails done, and then you're going to um, meet up with your other friend for drinks before the... And you're going to meet Kenny Chesney in person because he's going to order a lift tonight. <laughs> and you're going to get a million dollar fare. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's been a pleasure chatting. Thanks, And Mark. I'm going to sign off for the moment. Goodbye, everyone. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Are rolling up the window now for this? Uh, yeah, sure. Can you give me like a little air? Yes. No. No. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna turn on the air okay. here. Uh, so this is part two of our podcast. Um, yesterday was it yesterday? Yeah. It was, no. no, it was two days the, ago. Two days ago, we did part one, which we were down in Lakeview, and we had a nice uh, pancake. No, or cinnamon roll. And Sather Delight. Yes, and while Karen was reacclimating herself to everything about Chicago and uh, all know, the I old th- haunts. I think I like this town again. Okay, well, if you like that, you'll like Evanston even better, which is now where we're at. So we are, uh, it's 7.22 in the morning. I am taking Karen to the airport. I'm not um, a morning person. Along with another mystery passenger who's not going to be participating today but um and last night I worked until about 3 a.m. um Foo Fighters concert (coughs) sorry um which was sort of a bust I was hoping to have gotten a uh you know at least a $75 ride which didn't happen but ended up, I made about 60 bucks last night, um, so tonight is Foo Fighters night two, hopefully I'm gonna try again, um, but in between that, after dropping you off, today is Monday delivery day. What's Monday delivery day, Mark? So, I actually, I, as part of a, this whole thing, I do a number of different things, and so I signed up for a small locally owned delivery company. And you know, like Blue Apron, Hello Fresh. Uh-huh. It's the same concept. So there's a company here called Mies Meals. They make these uh, frozen meals, which you subscribe to every week. Mm-hmm. So I work for the company that delivers that. And this is a whole thing in itself. Like delivery is a completely different game. But just so you know, last week I had a delivery route 
and so well also in delivery this whole car is filled with packages mm -hmm. I have like sometimes 20 30 packages they give me a route and I'm like a UPS guy I just right. go and deliver my cousin does the same thing for Amazon in Virginia yeah, yeah yeah I tried to get into that program but they're they're not taking any new drivers in Chicago mm -hmm. and so I have a whole bunch of storage blades of delivery <laughs> but last week I got this route way out in the suburbs in like St. Charles Geneva and I had delivered to this house before and it's a really really nice house so today you know this day I, I pull up the mom and the daughter are there hand her the packages you know she's like thank you very much it's very sweet very nice and I do this sometimes when I have a delivery to a really nice house and I look at the name I, I Google stalk them you know so I Google <laughs> just to see who it is so it turns out this couple gave the largest donation ever to the University of Illinois oh wow $150 million oh wow wow so like, oh my god First of all, like, I'm stunned that somebody who has that much money has a home that you can just drive right up to and like, there's no security, you know, fence, there's no armed guard, there's, no, you know, nothing. Mark, I work in, in, I work in philanthropic services now for my day job, so I know that there are plenty of people like that. I know, so there's like, you know, low-key They're not famous. Yeah, they're just, they just have a lot of money. You know. So, so now, since I know that, I want that route again. And then, like, the next time I'm there, I'm, I was like, i, I got to have my pitch thing ready. Right? Like, oh, yeah, I know. We're, we need a kidney transplant. We just... <laughs> or I've got this homeless startup idea, right, with debit cards. So, but, yeah, I've, I've delivered to some really, really, like... Well, not just delivery, but sometimes, like, when I'm up here in Evanston, you get sucked into the whole North Shore, like, Winnetka, Kenilworth. Uh-huh. I've, like, driven up to these houses, which literally look like something out of a Hollywood mogul movie. <laughs> with, like, a circular driveway mm -hmm. with a giant fountain and, like, five Lamborghinis all parked there. Mm -hmm. and it, it, it actually recalls... The, and nothing to do with ride sharing which yeah. is your podcast but for me it recalls when I worked in the entertainment industry for a little while and I was starting all over again in LA and you have to start out as a production assistant and one of the things you have to do as a PA is deliver scripts or deliver dailies yeah. um, which are just DVD burned copies of you know the daily rough cuts of things yeah. um, and they still now even though they can deliver those things digitally um, they still have them hand delivered by PAs because right. they're worried about hacking and people getting a hold of of the content electronically. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would drive to places, famous people's houses, and things. I've, I have some funny stories about that. Yeah. But that's not your podcast, Mark. No, no, but it's it's, a, it's still an interesting <laughs> side thing because you know d delivery. Now I tell some people delivery is the new ride sharing. Because now, like, ride-sharing is oversaturated in these big cities. There's too many drivers. Like, New York City now just announced that they're going to cap the number of Uber and Lyft drivers. So, but... Well, and, okay, can I interject? Yeah. Because um, in part one, we talked about being a female driver a little bit and being a female... My female passengers who were really drunk mm -hmm. that one night and my sense of responsibility 
to kind of help them get to their hotel safely, even though I thought they were going to vomit all over my car. Um, and I haven't done ride sharing in here, but I do need to do something to supplement my income. And I've been thinking about going this, um, well, this like delivery said, route. Like, well, just, just, I know, you know, don't want to get into the details, but I know that you have some physical limitations. Delivery is also uh, pulling up to some high rise and you're reading the notes and it says, oh, can you bring my packages up to the 44th floor oh, right outside geez. my, yeah. you know, or, oh, can you walk like behind my house, go up to the third floor landing and hide it like underneath this, that, um, the, the other interesting delivery story, which I wanted to share is, so one time I had to deliver to this, it was a, a nice residence, but it's in kind of this transitioning area of Old Town, like where Second City is. Mm -hmm. And I knew because it was right next to this mom and pop corner store, which there was, someone was shot right outside and it's across from public housing. So I arrived at this place and this, it's like a three flat. And um, they have like a 10 foot high security fence with like bulletproof glass. Jeez. So I'm there with the package and I ring the bell. The, no one's at home. It's like, this is often the case. What do you do when nobody's at home? While I'm doing this, like three young men from the public housing cross over, stand next to me. And they're like looking at me. And at one point, one of the guys goes, well, why don't you give me the package? I'll take care of it. I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do? I, you know, and I keep ringing the bell. Nobody's home. So recall, this is like a, you know, 10 foot high security, you know, wall. I look through the wall and I see that there's an Amazon um, other UPS package that's already been delivered. Huh. And I'm looking up at that, you know, fence. I, I just I toss the entire package <laughs> over the fence and it lands perfectly on top of the Amazon box. Oh, nice. I'm like, score, see you later. <laughs> so, but yeah, I say because there's this growth, which I don't know if is a good thing. It's like everybody wants everything delivered now. I mean, I pull up mm -hmm. to these, you know, mostly like they're like high rise buildings and stuff, but there's literally like hundreds of these Amazon packages. Yes, and this whole food delivery, whether it's pre-prepared meals or the kind of blue apron or whatever, where they're, it's under the guise of trying to teach millennials how to cook a decent meal. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> wasteful, too. Like, they, they send all these ice bags. And, and so know, much packaging. packaging. Yeah, you get, like, a, like two green onions in a wrapped in a plastic bag. So. And I, I did it once because a friend sent me, you know, a coupon to do it for free. Uh-huh. Um, and so I got like a free two weeks worth box of boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of packaging. I'd, I'd feel worse about it if I thought that we had any hope of actually saving the environment on this planet. Yeah. But since I've given up on that, I don't give a shit about the packaging anymore. Well, and just also as another side, I did a little bit of research because you start getting all these um, frozen ice packs. Yeah. So it turns out the, the gel that's inside these ice packs is not biodegradable. 
And when oh. you contact these companies, you say, well, wh- you know, what can I do with this? Like, you think, well, maybe I can flush it down the toilet or just whatever, throw it out with the compost. They're like, no, no. They say, don't do that. Just cut it open and throw it in the trash. So all of this gel, which is a synthetic polymer, is going into landfills. And it'll probably eventually leach into the water supply and we'll be drinking it just like we drink micro-pharmaceuticals and micro-particles already. Like the micro-particles in cosmetics that have revolutionized the cosmetics industry, that's now in our water supply. We consume that. Yeah. And the animals that we eat consume that. So... Anyway, so we're, we're straying from right here. You know, again, the <laughs> delivery, that's what I do on Monday. So after I drop you guys off at the airport, I'm probably going to try and get a ride back. And then my shift today, um, you know, start doing delivery. I only do that like one, one or two days a week. But it's also nice because then you don't have to hunt for a customer. Right. You're just given a list, make your deliveries. and. Well, and like, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not as part of ride-sharing stories, but sometimes it just becomes exhausting to talk to people. Yeah, and again, that's a whole topic area, too. Like, I, when I first started driving, you know, you wanted to be like an entertainer and Mr. Chatty and how's mm-hmm. it going and all that. And now, some of it's because I drive late at night and passengers are tired and they don't want to talk. Right. But also, sometimes I think people, they just want their little respite, their quiet space, you know, to check their emails or right. have their thoughts. And, they, you know, they don't necessarily want a, your whole life story. I mean, you know, Mark, the customer is always Dwight. <laughs> um, the customer is the person where that sets that tone, mm-hmm. that where you're gauging if they want to be a talker or not. Yeah. But you as a driver have to... Um, measure that accurately and respond accurately if you want to keep your good rating. Yeah. If you have somebody who wants to be a talker, you have to watch out to not be perceived as rude. And if you have somebody who doesn't want to talk, you can't chat them up. Plus, here's a dirty secret. Um, A lot of drivers say this all the time. Some of the most common questions you get are like, Oh, do you do this full time or? Oh like, yeah. What's your what's your, reg, what's your regular job? People and, love to ask about that. And for our listeners, guess what? You know what a lot of drivers do? They make up the answer, <laughs> or they it, the answer changes every time just right. because we're so bored of the I'm same question. I'm an investment question. banker. Right. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a writer. I'm working on a podcast. <laughs> My usual answer is that I'm a stay-at-home dad. So you know. Well, let, let's talk for a second about. Small market, Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. Two things. Small town when it comes to, like, the local temperament, but also massive international tourist city. So when people ask me, um, when I was driving, when people asked me what I do or did, and I told them about my communications jobs with the college there and the, and the K-12 school district there, if they were a local, then that's all they wanted to talk about and complain about and, and try to extract gossip and stories out of me about those yeah. things. So that was always hard. On the flip, tourists want an ad hoc tour of mm-hmm. historic Charleston with you knowing tidbits and yeah. restaurant recommendations. And, um, you know, 
you just have to be yourself. There's this one horrendous seafood restaurant that's right in downtown Charleston that's super popular for tourists. Uh -huh. um, and it's been there for like a hundred years. It's very famous. But it actually has mediocre at best seafood and um, a lot of Charleston restaurants that are really in the whole foodie gourmand movement. Yeah. The well, people the people will tell you, oh, that restaurant, we see them, you know, with their, like, frozen shipped seafood that gets delivered at 3 a.m. You know, it's not yeah. authentic. and But you can't tell a tourist who wants to eat it. Yeah. It's called Hyman's Seafood. Oh. You can't tell a tourist who read the ad and had a recommendation from a friend not to go there because they don't believe you. Yeah. Even though they just asked you as a local, where would you go? Well, for a stretch there, I kept getting the question, um, where's the best pizza? Uh -huh. And I just, oh, I just eye roll. Like, I'm just so tired of that question. And, uh, you know, part of it is I'm a burned out foodie but who's also a parent. So, you know, once you become a parent, it's no longer about, oh, we got to get that East Indian Nepalese cuisine with the fire roasted this. That. It's like macaroni and cheese, hot dogs, pizza. <laughs> macaroni and cheese, hot dogs, you know, repeat ad infinitum yeah so you know people will like pick my brain and like well is Giordano's better than Lou Malnati's or what about Pequod's and what's what's like what's the difference between deep dish and stuffed and I'm just like <laughs> I don't know whatever just go to whatever's closest to your hotel <laughs> so anyway so we are now in uh, on on Dempster, about to get on 294, getting into O'Hare, and hopefully after I drop you guys off, I'll immediately get a ride back to the city. Now in Chicago, Mark, how does that work? Do you get do you have to go sit in the waiting lot and get put in like a line in a pool? Normally, that's the way it works. Um, like last night, I went there really late. Um, and there was still a hundred drivers there, even though there was barely one or two flights left. So it was, you know, I basically went there just to take a micro nap, and then <laughs> and then I left. Yeah. But like I was telling you the other day, it's it's kind of like a mini United Nations there. And at one <laughs> point, like one day, I I went there and there was like a big guy skipping rope. There's like a whole bunch of like older Korean men just all like sitting around playing dice or something. Mm -hmm. In my short-lived time as a rideshare driver, I, well, I told you my porta potty story of yeah. me going into the porta potty where I didn't know that I had to have some special yeah. key and membership, and two guys getting into a giant screaming match about whether I should be allowed to pee in the porta potty or not. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I sometimes use the lot at the at the airport to clean my car. Mm -hmm. You know, in my trunk, I would keep some Windex and some wipes and things just to, like, yeah. tidy up the car while I was waiting. And also, it, you know, it's unfortunate, but a lot of... There's a significant number of drivers who are either homeless or, you know, they don't have place to go and sleep so they use the rideshare a lot is to sleep in their cars mm -hmm. there was actually and I'm not going to follow this one up 
they found a driver who was dead in his car at the at the O'Hare lot. I don't know if like if he died of natural causes or if it was something you know homicide, but mackerel. Well, you know, okay, the homeless living out of your car thing. I've encountered that in life in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. I lived in an area in Culver City, which is like western Los Angeles by the by Santa Monica by the beach, Mm -hmm. Um, and it just so happened I lived an apartment building that was on a street corner where a lot of people who lived in old RVs or lived in their cars would park there and sleep at night. Yeah. Um, it was different than, you know, downtown Skid Row or Tent City because these people had decent cars, but, and they probably had full-time jobs, but they were sleeping in their cars or living out of their RVs. Yeah. And sometimes they would get busted. Um, I would think to myself, if we're not going to solve the problem of homelessness and rent control and all these things in this country, then we should at least give people a lot that they can do that in. Yeah. So maybe it's good. You can be a rideshare driver and sleep in the lot. Well, on that Sad. note, uh, we're about ready to get on the highway and we have come to our self-imposed time limit. Okay. So uh, this has been a pleasure. And uh, I will say, when you come back to Chicago, and I seriously mean this, you should drive up here with your vehicle because on Lyft, you can work anywhere in the country. That's true. Uh, but you can also get your Chicago placards and to just like come up here for a month, drive, and then that would pay for your entire trip and more. And then you get to experience like the big bad Chicago where you, you get to drive into the hood or... You know. You're making it sound so pleasant, Mark. Yeah, right, How right. can I say no right. to that idea? And, or, or you, you drive the you know children of entitled wealthy people on the North sure, Shore. Sure, sure. Don't forget the twenty-hour drive to and from Charleston that I yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. You never know what or, or might you, happen. Yeah. Or you could come up here and, and rent a car to to drive. You can. There's that option too. Well, now that I would do for a day or two, just to have some stories mm. for for your ride sharing stories. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it could be like the Fast and the Furious Ten or something. <laughs> so. Maybe we could do it and I could make up a ton of lies and crazy stories about who I was and why I was driving. And then we could just see how passengers reacted. Right. Okay. Alrighty. 